compliments of the season, guys. It's um, Monday morning. Hmm. Christmas was yesterday, Sunday. My niece came and said, so Christmas was soon passed. And I said, no, Christmas is not going anywhere. The rest of the month, we are celebrating Christmas, all right? Christmas is not just one day. And she said, yeah, 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 that's true. So, how was yesterday? What did you do? How did you spread the love? Don't forget, it's because of love. Jesus came to the earth. The word became flesh because of love. So, you need to spread the love of Jesus. You don't need to eat alone. You need to spread the love of Jesus during um this season everywhere you go to spread the love of jesus and it shouldn't just be for december it should go beyond december before we go further all right what have you what are you grateful for what exactly are you grateful for looking at your life what can you say lord thank you thank you thank you consciously what are you grateful for so i took out some time yesterday to just thank him for the birth of his son for giving us your son i sent a text to a friend and i said we are celebrating our elder brother because jesus made it possible for us to also be called sons of god that's an amazing privilege i mean that's an amazing privilege and for that i am very 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 grateful so once again i want to wish you a very merry christmas god bless you god bless everything and i pray that the love of christ be shared abroad in your heart so that you too can love those around you you too can sacrifice just to love those around you all right guys thank you if you're clicking on this podcast for the first time my name is amechi victor okk and i am the anchor voice of eden so we have been reading so far how you can be led by the spirit of god and of course i didn't start this i didn't start reading the book because i um, knew what was going to come i just started because i felt ah, we should do a reading we should read the book and somehow i stumbled on this and it resonated in my spirit that i should read it so while i started reading it i now discover that it was the holy spirit that actually led me into reading this book before the year ends because of what next year is going to hold for every believer of christ jesus so you need to take note of it all right next year is is largely going to be the year of the third that's the year of the spirit and you would the world will place a demand like i said on last week podcast or that the world is going to place a demand on your ability to be led by the spirit of god you would be tested to do crazy things things that don't make sense you'll be led to do things that are not making sense things that are not reasonable and not logical but how prompt are you to obey the leading of the holy spirit next year is going to try it all right next year is going to push you to do things that are beyond your ability so you need the help of the holy spirit just like the apostles in acts of the apostles when they waited for the spirit to come upon them next year is also going to be a time where you wait for the spirit you are you're going to literally need the ability of the holy spirit to go through next year all right so um without wasting much of your time let's jump into reading chapter 25 and 26 of how you can be led by the spirit of god by kenneth e hagin hello dear friend my name is Amechi and I'm the anchor voice of Eden. Aside that, 
I'm a pro graphics designer, I love to sing, I'm an author, and I love Jesus. We are on a mission to expose people to the truth of who they are in Christ Jesus, to build a generation that loves God, fears God, and serves God, to raise and empower people that cherish the Word of God. Join us as we journey into God's rest. Chapter 25 Guidance Through Prophecy Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracle? 1 Corinthians 12 29 Paul, speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus in his farewell message, said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. Acts 20.22-23 Then, in chapter 21, while on his journey, Paul landed in Tyre, where the ship was to be unladen. Luke, the writer of Acts, was with Paul. He wrote, and finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Verse 4. Paul continued on his journey. Acts 21, 8-14. And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed, and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with them. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's giddle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this giddle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Some have thought that Paul missed it. However, when Paul did go up to Jerusalem and was arrested, Jesus stood by Paul in the night. He appeared to him in a vision. He did not rebuke Paul. Jesus did not tell Paul that he had missed it. He said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear it witness also at Rome. Acts 23, 11. No, Paul did not miss it. What God was doing was preparing Paul for what was ahead of him. Notice that we have two different things operating here. One, the gift of prophecy. Two, the ministry of the prophet. They are different. They are not the same. It is a mistake to confuse the two, yet this is often done. The fact that one prophesies doesn't make him a prophet. The word of God plainly teaches that everyone should desire to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. However, if just prophesying made you a prophet, then it would seem that the Lord was saying that everyone should desire to be a prophet. Yet Paul asked, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? 1 Corinthians 12, 29. The answer is no. Since all could not be prophets, God would not tell us to seek something we could not have. The simple gift of prophecy is speaking unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue, your own tongue. Speaking in tongues is supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue, a tongue unknown to you. Prophecy can be used in prayer as well as tongues. Sometimes when you are prophesying, it seems as if there were two of you. It seems to me as if I am standing right beside myself. 
You see, it is coming from my inward man where the Spirit of God who is prophesying abides. I listen with my natural ears to see what he said. The Office of the Prophets There is the Office of the Prophets. Without going into details about it, we will touch the Office of the Prophet briefly concerning guidance. For one to be a prophet, he stands in that office and uses that ministry. Other spiritual gifts beside prophecy must operate in his ministry. The simple gift of prophecy, as we have said, is for speaking unto men for edification and exhortation and comfort. In this simple gift of prophecy, there is no foretelling, no prediction whatsoever. However, in the ministry of the prophets, there is foretelling and prediction. A prophet has the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and or the discerning of spirits in operation along with prophecy. It is important to realize that spiritual things can be misused just as natural things can be misused. Some folks have never realized that. The thing that just because it is spiritual, it has to be perfect, that it cannot be misused. I have known people who were at one time wealthy who are now bankrupt because they listened to someone prophesy how to invest their money. I remember a dear man who was in one of my meetings. I knew who he was, but I didn't really know him. I didn't know that he would never make a business deal without calling a so-called prophet to prophesy to him what to do. I said to him, I seem to be impressed to say this to you. You are going to lose everything you have and go bankrupt if you keep listening to whoever is advising you. He didn't listen. The poor fellow, who was very wealthy, lost his home and everything he had. I have seen this happen not just one time, but many times. I have seen ministers who have lost their ministries because of wrong prophecies. You have to judge prophecies by the word of God. If prophecy is not in line with the word of God, it is not right. Secondly, you have to judge personal prophecy by what you have in your own spirit. If you do not have something in your own spirit, do not accept a personal prophecy. For years, I have traveled extensively in the ministry. Everywhere I go, there is always someone who has a word from the Lord for me, sometimes two or three. In all these years, only one or two of them have been correct. Do not build your life on prophecies. Do not judge your life by prophecies. Build your life on the word. Let those other things be secondary. Put the word of God first. People sometimes say, well, if God is doing it, it has to be alright. You have to realize that it isn't exactly God doing it. It is men prophesying under the inspiration of the spirit of God. Anything that man has to do with is not perfect. The spirit of God is perfect. The gifts of the spirit in themselves are perfect. But they certainly are not always perfect in manifestation because they are manifested through imperfect vessels. This is the reason prophecy and tongues with interpretation need to be judged by the word. 1 Corinthians 14 29-30 Let the prophet speak two or three and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that seated by, let the first hold his peace. Let the prophet speak. The Bible is talking about prophets here, not just anyone who prophesies. Do not accept something just because the prophet said it. It is to be judged according to the Bible. We do not judge people, we judge what was said. Now notice verse 30. If anything be revealed to another, prophets in brackets. Prophets have revelations. Others might occasionally, but prophets have a ministry along this line. 1 Corinthians 14.32 And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Some have said, God made me do that. I couldn't help but say that. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means a person does not have to say it. It comes out of his spirit. It is subject to him. The gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy operates under the unction of the spirit. 
and it might be that God through these methods would give us a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or revelation as we need it. But we initiate the operation of prophecy. We might initiate the operation of tongues and interpretation. We are the ones who have to speak it out. Many times when the Spirit of God is moving, anyone who can prophesy could do so, but that does not mean one should. Also, when the Spirit is a manifestation, anyone who is used in the ministry gift of tongues and interpretation could speak, but that does not mean he should. Have that unction of the Spirit to do it. Otherwise, just sit there and let God move through someone else who has it. I held a seven-week meeting in a church years ago. Every single night about the same time, at the same spot in the service, just as the got ready to pass the offering plates, this woman got up and spoke with tongues. She said the same thing in tongues every night. After a while, I could have said the same things she said. If no one else would interpret it, she would. It was like someone poured cold water over the crowd. It deadened the service. The pastor asked me to teach your auditorium class one Sunday morning when he had to be out of town. This was unusual, but I finished before the bell rang. One of the deacons said, Brother Hagen, may I ask a question? Well, yes, I said. I thought it would be in line with the lesson. He said, when messages in tongues with interpretation are given in public assemblies, shouldn't they be a blessing to the congregation? Why should it kill the service? That dear woman was sitting right in front of me. I said, that is beside the lesson. I would rather not get into that right now. But others, some of the leaders of the church said, Brother Hagen, we ought to answer that. So I said, if it is in the spirit, it will lift the service high. It will not put it down. That woman was intelligent enough to catch on that. She came to me and said, I have been wrong, haven't I? I said, yes ma'am, you have. She said, I thought so all the time. There was a witness on the inside of me that knew that, but I wanted to be used of God. I am going to stop that. I said, thank you. You are a real blessing to the church. Others might have gotten angry about it saying, they wouldn't allow God to move. Sometimes folks do speak out, like this woman, without the unction of the spirit. This does not do away with the facts that her tongues were real. However, they were in imperfect operation. They were misused. I admonish people to be very careful about personal prophecies. So many lives have been shipwrecked and ruined by not being careful regarding personal prophecy. Do not marry someone because someone prophesied you should. I have seen many such so-called prophecies through the years. I have never seen one of those marriages work out yet. Homes have been broken up by so-called prophecies. Also, don't go into the ministry because someone prophesied you should. Get it on the inside of you for yourself. Then if a prophecy confirms what you already have, that's alright. Jesus said to me when he appeared in that vision in 1959, If the prophecy confirms what you already have, accept it. If it does not, don't accept it. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Acts 13 verse 2 He had already called them. This was just the confirmation of it. In the last church I pastored, there was a certain young person who was beautiful spiritually. My wife said to me, I believe the hand of the Lord is on him. God is calling him into ministry. I said, I have that conviction myself, but I am not going to call anyone. I am not going to tell anyone they are called, even if I know they are. This is why. When one gets out in the ministry, it isn't always easy. Paul told the young minister, Timothy, Endure hardness as a good soldier. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 when the way gets hard, and it will, you can have the victory. But it will get hard, but it will get hard, and someone who is not convinced of the call for themselves will say, I just went because daddy said so, or someone prophesied me too. 
I really don't know that I am called. But one who makes that decision from his own spirit, who knows God called him, will stand through hell or high water. So I did not say anything to this young person. Then one Sunday night, we were all praying around the altar. I went around and laid hands on people to pray as God would lead me. I stopped beside this young man who was kneeling in the altar in intense prayer. I opened my mouth to pray, but I heard these words come out. This is a confirmation of what I said to you at 3 o'clock this afternoon as you were praying down in the storm cellar. You asked for a confirmation and this is it. That was me speaking to you. After the prayer service, I asked, were you praying down in the storm cellar at 3 o'clock this afternoon? I wanted to check up. If I am wrong, I want to get it right. If I miss it, just admit I missed it. Don't be afraid to say I missed it. When I first started learning to drive a car, I missed it a few times and ran up over the curb. But I didn't quit driving just because I missed it. Did you? We ought to have as much sense about spiritual things. Just because I missed it, I am not going to quit. I am going to keep going. I would just see to it that I don't miss it again. So I was checking up on it to see. The young man said, Yes, I was praying. You know, Brother Hagen, I have felt for some time that God had a call on my life, but I didn't say yes or no. So I was spending time down in the cellar, which was fixed up like a nice basement, praying, meditating, reading the Bible, waiting on God. I felt that the Lord spoke to me and said, I have called you to the ministry and I will confirm it tonight in the service, but I didn't know how he would. Remember, if it does not bear witness or confirm something you already have, do not accept a personal prophecy. As long as the gift of prophecy stay in the realm of speaking to men for edification, exhortation and comfort, it is wonderful. Encourage that. But many times, someone who prophesies may see a prophet minister with a word of foreknowledge. Then he begins to think, I prophesy, so I can do that. Then he moves out of the place where he should be into the other realm where he should not be. A woman came up to me in one of our seminars we held in Tulsa. She had come with a group from a nearby city. She said, Brother Hagen, this is all new to us. In our town, we have a weekly prayer group. I want to ask you something about it. Some of them think I am wrong, but I don't think what we are doing is right. Actually, I don't know if I would call it a prayer meeting. All they ever do is lay hands on one another and prophesy. They spend all afternoon prophesying over one another, and I don't ever get anything but a bad prophecy. They prophesied that my mother was going to die within six months. That was 18 months ago, and she is not dead. Then they prophesied that my husband was going to leave me. He's not saved, but he's a fine man and I love him. He's a good provider. We don't have any trouble. Those are just two examples. I always get prophecies that something bad is going to happen, but nothing bad has ever happened. I said, no, and I won't either. You are a child of God. She said, isn't that a misuse? I said, yes, it is. We need to know these things. It is very easy for babies to be misled and misguided. We can get off track. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth about these things. Chapter 26 Guidance Through Visions There was a certain man in Caesarea called Colonius, a centurion of the land called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave such alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Acts chapter 10, 1 to 3. Sometimes God leads through visions. Colonius was a devout man, but he was not born again. He did not know about Jesus. He was a Jewish proselyte. The angel who appeared to him in a vision could not preach the gospel to him. 
God did not call angels to preach the gospel. God called men to preach the gospel. However, the angel did tell Colinus where to send for someone who could preach the gospel to him and tell him how to be saved. Colinus saw an angel in a vision. Angels also have the ability, as God permits, to take upon themselves a visible form which can be seen by the natural eye, just as you see a physical person. Hebrews 13 verse 2 Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The scripture calls Colinus' experience a vision. Acts 10 verse 3 it was a spiritual vision. Colenius saw into the spirit world and there are angels out there in the spirit world. If others had been present, they would not have seen anything. Yet, if the angel had taken on a visible form, anyone could have seen it. There are three kinds of visions. Spiritual visions, trance and open visions. In spiritual visions, you see with the eye of your spirit, not with your physical eye. When Paul saw the Lord in Acts chapter 9, it was a spiritual vision. He did not see him with his physical eyes. Acts chapter 9 verse 8. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. When the Lord spoke to Saul, his eyes were shut. Therefore, whatever it was that Paul saw, he did not see it with his physical eyes. We know this because the Bible says that when his eyes were opened, he was blind. The second type of vision is when one falls into a trance. Colinius did not fall into a trance, but Peter did. Acts chapter 10, 9 to 11. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the house top to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been a great sheet knight at the far corner and let down on the earth. When one falls into a trance, his physical senses are suspended. He does not know where he is right at the moment. He is not unconscious, but he does not know what is going on around him. He is more conscious of the spiritual things than physical things. The third type of vision is what I call an open vision, the vision that occurred in El Paso in 1959, which I have referred to in this book. As an open vision, my eyes were wide open, my physical senses were intact, I did not fall into a trance. Jesus walked into my room, I saw him with my physical eyes. Of all the visions I have had, only two were open visions. Three of them occurred when I fell into a trance, the rest were spiritual visions. There were different types of vision in the Acts of the Apostles. There are different types of visions now. For example, in visions, sometimes things are symbolic. In Peter's vision, they were. He saw all manner of creeping things, both clean and unclean. He had to think on the vision in order to understand it. Acts chapter 10 verse 19. The Spirit spoke to him as he thought upon the vision and bade him go with three men to Colinus' house. Peter still didn't know exactly what the vision meant. But when he went, things happened and he began to understand that God had called the Gentiles into redemption as well as the Jews. Acts chapter 8, 26-29 And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. Some church people admit that God spoke to the apostles such as Peter, but they say that such divine visitation were only for the apostles. But Philip was not an apostle. He was elected as a deacon first. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. The highest office he ever filled was that of the evangelist 
Acts 21 verse 8. Isn't it sad that in the church world we have been robbed of the blessing and the supernatural manifestation we should have had because people closed the book on the supernatural and said that was just for the apostle or that ceases when the apostle of the New Testament died. Acts chapter 9 10-12 And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Street, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Ananias was not a deacon. He was just a disciple. He was what we would call a layman. Yet the Lord used him. We should all put ourselves in the position where God can use us as he sees fit. We don't have to wait for a vision before we do something for God. God may give us a vision, or he may not. An angel may appear to us, or he may not. It was a great privilege for me to speak in the church of a certain great man of God when he was past 70 years of age. He had been filled with the Spirit way back at the turn of the century and had gone out to China as a missionary in 1912. He told me of many marvelous experiences he had had. He had a Bible study every Friday night in his church. I believe he was one of the world's foremost Bible teachers, and I have heard most of them. He related this to me. He said he would teach certain subjects as the Lord directed, but he also lets the congregation suggest subjects by writing them down on a slate of paper. On one occasion, the majority of the congregation wrote, we would like some teaching on angels. We have never heard any teaching on that subject. He has spent a number of years teaching on one of the best Pentecostal Bible schools and he thought he could cover the subject in two weeks. But he said, the more I studied, the bigger it got. I taught six weeks and still did not cover the subject. The man was an official in his full gospel denomination. Soon after this teaching on Angel, he was in a business meeting with leaders of that denomination. One manner of discussion concerned the report of a minister of their denomination claimed to have seen an angel. He said that the angel instructed him concerning his ministry. They were about to bar him from the denomination. This Bible teacher said, I just sat there and listened. I didn't even comment. I never did talk unless I was called on to talk. I could see the trend. They were about ready to turn this other minister out of the denomination. Finally, one brother got up and said, I believe we ought to hear from Brother S. He has been with us from the beginning of this movement. He's one of our most able Bible teachers. Let's hear what he has to say. He told me he began by telling them about the study of angels he had just completed and taught in his church. Then he said, I am not the least bit concerned because one out of several thousand of our ministers has seen an angel. The thing that disturbs me is why more of us are not seeing them. Then secondly, he told them, if we are going to turn this man out for seeing an angel who instructed him concerning his ministry, what are we going to give to our people in the place of it? Do we have anything better, anything more supernatural, anything more scriptural? If we don't, I think we had better stay with what we have. Quickly. Someone jumped on his feet and said, I move that we table this and forget all about it. They voted unanimously to leave it alone. In 1963, my office occupied only the den of my little frame home in Garland, Texas. It wasn't really much of an office at that. Some men in another city contacted me. They said, if you will move your office to this city, we will set up an office for you. We will build all the office equipment, hire the secretaries and pay their salaries. You won't have to pay anything. Let's get some of your material published. Another man who was an electronic technician said, Brother Hagen, if you will let me, I will make tape of all your sermons. It won't cost you a thing. I will furnish all the materials free of charge. 
Those offers sounded good. You would think God must be in them. But about that time, I was praying with a certain group. We were having special time of ministering to the Lord. It was the kind of atmosphere Acts 13 verse 1 and 2 speaks of. An atmosphere where God will move. I was sitting on the platform beside the chair, praying, when suddenly, Jesus stood right in front of me. I had my eyes shut. It was a spiritual vision. I did not fall into a trance. Standing right beside me, about two feet to his right and three feet behind him, was a large angel. I had seen angels before, but never one that big. He must have been eight feet tall or more. Jesus talked to me about something, and everything he said came to pass. Occasionally, while he talked, I would glance at that angel. When I did, the angel would open his mouth and start to say something. When I looked back to Jesus, he would not say anything. After Jesus finished his conversation with me, I asked, Who is that fellow? What does he represent? Jesus said, That's your angel. I said, My angel? Yes, he said, Your angel. You read in the scripture that I said concerning the little children that their angel is ever before my father's face. You don't lose your angel just because you grew up. Isn't that comforting? I have that big fellow following me around. Praise the Lord. I said, what does he want? Jesus said, he has a message for you. Then I got so letter of the word conscious, I could have missed the spirit. I said, you are talking to me. Why don't you give me the message? Why do I have to listen to an angel? Besides that, the word of God says as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I have the Holy Ghost. Why couldn't the Holy Ghost talk to me? Jesus had mercy on me and patience with me. He said, did you ever read in my word where the angel of the Lord told Philip to go down to the way of Gaza? Wasn't that direction? Wasn't that guidance? Didn't my angel appear to Colinius and he wasn't even a born-again man? Didn't the angel tell him what to do? He gave me several more New Testament examples. Finally, I said, that's enough, I will listen. Then I looked up to this big fellow and said, what is it? He started this way, I am sent from the presence of the Almighty God to tell you not to let these men, and he calls their name, set up an office for you. They have an ulterior motive. They will control your ministry because they will have to put in all the money. Then he called the name of the man who was the radio electronic technician and said, don't let him have any of your tapes. He has an ulterior motive. If he gets them into his hands, he will control them. I am sent from the presence of the Almighty God to tell you that. Then I am sent from the presence of the Almighty God to tell you this. The money will come so that you can set up your own office, have your own books, have your own tapes. You will be the head of it, the sole boss, because I am going to tell you what to do and not some man. Within four months after everything is paid and cleared out, you will have enough money to get you headed this direction. For I have sent my angels out to cost the money to come. When that time came, I had $4,000, which was enough to do what the Lord had told me to do. That was the beginning of this ministry. I could tell you more, but this is enough to illustrate that these things do happen. But let me emphasize this. Although God does lead us through visions and other supernatural manifestations, I would encourage you not to seek a vision. You could get beyond the word where the devil can deceive you. We often prefer to have a more direct word of guidance, but we don't always have it. So don't try to manufacture it if it is not there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anyone was seeking a vision when one came. Visions just happen without anyone in the Bible seeking it. Be content. If it is all you ever have, follow the inward witness. But educate and train and develop your human spirit so that the inward witness becomes more and more real to you. Then if God sees fit for supernatural visitation and manifestations, just thank God for them. 
know that the angels of God are with you. Your angel is with you whether you ever see them or not. That was a very long read, but it was so powerful and impactful. I mean, if you if you can create time, please go ahead and read it and listen to this podcast again. And because of the sake of time, I won't be able to share my thoughts because I've spent a lot of time just reading it. But listen to the last thing we read in chapter 26. It says that he would encourage us to not seek vision. I know when people hear a story like this, they want to have that same experience. They just they just seek it. They want to see angels. They want to see Jesus. I told you I was there. I was inside that box too. But do not seek it. Do not seek it. And lastly, he said, know that your angels, the angels of God are with you whether you see them or not. You need to believe that they are with you. I mean, I think I I would start believing. I usually don't even care. (laughs) I usually just forget and not even send if they are with me. But I think from now on, I'll become more conscious of the fact that the angels of the Lord are with me. Alright guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I took a lot of your time, but... (laughs) We had to read through 25 and 26. All right. I, I pray that you have a beautiful Monday and um, keep in mind that Jesus is the reason for the season. God bless you. And before I go, I'll say within your confine, have a picture of life bigger than your experience. God bless you and I'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Voice of Eden podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Kindly follow us on social media at Voice of Eden, share with your friends, and keep God first.